Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Appreciate that round of applause. I can speak for Evan as well. We appreciate you guys, and really you make our job a whole lot easier because you're a very easy uh, congregation to shepherd, and we love you guys so dearly. And so we appreciate all that you guys do and are continuing to do for the Lord each and every week. And so just thank you again. But I hope you guys are excited. I hope you came ready and prepared for a big morning because today, guess what we're doing? We're starting a brand new sermon series, and this is the one that I've been waiting for for quite some time. It's called Spirit-Filled Relationships. And so who's excited about this series? The four of us. All right. So a few people excited. Maybe we'll get going here in a little bit. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to look over the next four to five weeks at all kinds of different relationships. We're going to talk about how to be a good spouse, right? We're going to talk about how to be uh, good parents, if you will. We're going to talk about how your kids should obey you as parents. And can I get an amen to that, right? And so we're going to talk about all these different things. But here's what we're going to do first. Before we can take a talk about our relationships with those who are around us, those horizontal relationships of people around us, we got to first talk about our vertical relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do first. We're going to take a good hard look and we're going to examine our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I hope you brought your Bibles with you. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. As you can see from the uh, screen behind me, the title of my message is Living by the Spirit's Power. And as we enter in, into this sermon series, I also want to say this, we're going to do something that we haven't done since January, February. And what we did, if you were with us back in January and February, is we actually had a scripture memory challenge, right? We started the year off by memorizing as a congregation Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We took one verse per week, and we said it aloud the next week as a congregation. And so we're going to do the exact same thing. And so here's what we're looking at. You don't have to write this down. We're going to post it in emails later. We're going to post it on our social media page. You can take a picture of it if, you, if you'd like. But we're going to be memorizing the text that we're going to go through today, right? So Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, all the way through verse 21. And so some of you, back in January and February, you knocked it out of the park. Others of you, it's time for redemption, right? It's time to get back on and be ready. So next Sunday when you come, Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, at some point in the service, we're going to say that aloud together as a congregation. I do want to make one last note before we move into the text. Notice it says CSB at the top. We're going to be preaching during this sermon series through the Christian Standard Bible. Normally we use the ESV here, but for this particular series, I'm going to be walking us through the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And so when we quote scripture over the next five weeks, that's the version I want you guys to focus on and be memorizing. And so let's dive in. Robert read it for us a moment ago. Appreciate the reading of God's word. I want to look at it once again and give you a couple areas to highlight as we move through our text this morning. Here's what it says. It says, pay careful attention. Underline those three words. We're going to come back. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of fear of Christ. This morning we're going to take this text and we're going to divide it into two different sections, starting in verse 15 to 17, with our first key point. If you're taking notes this morning, and that's the simple fact that. You and I as Christians, we need to be wise. In other words, we need to walk 
wisely. And as I studied the text this past week, my mind kept returning to the first three words that you see right there over and over and over again. And it's those words, pay careful attention. And as I thought about those words throughout the week, one of the things that I was reminded of is like the word examine. In other words, an an examination that we need to do in our lives. And so Paul is essentially asking each of us to examine our lives and see if there are any areas that need modifications. And this reminded me of a time in my life where Amber, my wife, her and I, actually had three major life changes in a short period of time. Take you back uh, to the beginning of 2021, mid or late 2020. And what happened was I found myself working as a principal at a high school. I saw my uh, wife working as a CPA accountant at the Roanoke Higher Education Center. And all of a sudden, three things happened within, like I said, about a six-month period. Number one, I transitioned, obviously, careers from being a principal into this role. So that was major life change, number one. Secondly, a couple months later, we welcomed the, the, the birth of our first child, Jillian, who was an absolute blast, right? And then the third thing that happened is Amber made the decision, along with myself, that she was going to stay home and actually uh, not work any longer. She was going to be a full-time mom. And so all of a sudden, these three major things had happened, and what it caused is it caused us to really examine our financial life. And we had to look and say, where are specific areas that we could cut back on? Things like dinners out, things like vacations, things like shopping. For me, shopping is Sam's and and Kroger, right? That's just where I shop. But we had to do this financial audit on our lives to see what we could do. Now, as important as that financial examination, if you will, was for our family, here's what Paul is asking all of us to do. Here's what he means when he says, Pay careful attention. And so here's what I want all of us this morning to do in our lives. Paul wants us to shine a spotlight, kind of like I have a spotlight on me right now. But what Paul wants us to do is shine a spotlight on ourselves and do a spiritual examination on our souls. Right? That's what Paul is asking us to do. That's what he means by saying pay careful attention. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is when we do this spiritual examination on our lives, what are we looking for? Like, what are some of the questions we need to ask ourselves? Let me give you a few. How do you live, right? How do you live? How do you act? The question is, what sort of things do you think about on a regular, daily basis? What does your schedule look like? If someone was to look at your schedule, where would they say that your priorities in life are centered around? Dig a little deeper for a minute. Ask yourself the question, what sort of movies do you watch? What sort of Netflix are you streaming, right? What sort of music are you listening to in your car when you're by yourself? Who are the types of people that you're following and the types of images and videos that you're viewing on social media on a regular basis? Here's the big underlying question I'm getting at. Is your heart and mind, church, is it focused on the things of this world? Or is it focused on the things of God? That's really the big question we have to ask ourselves. And so Paul says, pay careful attention to how you walk. And so we need to do spiritual examinations on our life. And we have to do these on a regular basis. Do you know why? Look at what verse 16 says. It makes it very clear. It says, making the most of our time. Paul is telling us we need to make the most of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil, right? The world we live in today is evil. And I want you to think about it. In Paul's day, if Paul was saying 2,000 years ago that the days were evil in his day, think about our world today, church. In Paul's day, they didn't have internet, right? They didn't have social media. They didn't have access at, at, at ease to pornographic images, right? They didn't have these things all around them. And he's saying that we need to pay careful attention, right, to the world around us because it's evil. And if that's the reality, how much more do you and I need to pay careful attention to our lives? 
because of the um, because of the difficult situations that are in our world today. And so with that in mind, we just have to ask ourselves the question, what am I allowing on a daily basis to come into my life? Really examine yourself this morning. Friends, don't you think that the garbage that we allow through TV, through social media, through interactions with people, don't you think the garbage that we allow to come into our life will have a negative impact on us spiritually? Think about it for a second. And so the question is, in your life right now, ask yourself the question, what garbage do you have in your life that you need to take out to the end of the road and put out to the trash can to collect, right? What garbage do you need to get rid of in your life that's not building you up spiritually? And on the other side of that, you've got to take the other side as well. We need to ask ourselves the question, what are we not prioritizing right now that we need to prioritize? Typical question, right? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Alan, you don't know my life, right? I got three kids. And I'm like a human taxi driving everybody around. We don't have time for this. I don't have time to spend in God's word every single day. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time to be in a life group on a weekly basis. If that's you, with all due respect, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you controlling your schedule or is your schedule controlling you? It's a question we have to ask ourselves as we examine our life. Here it is. Our relationship, your personal relationship with the Lord is the most important relationship in your life. It is second to none. And so Paul is saying in these verses, he's saying, pay careful attention. He's saying, before you can work on anything else in life, before you can focus on any of the relationships that are around you horizontally, you've got to focus on your vertical relationship with Jesus. And you've got to make sure you are right with the Lord. And so just do this this week, church. Examine your life. Do a spiritual examination on your soul. And so point number one this morning is this. Be filled, or excuse me, be wise. Point number two is that we need to be filled by the Spirit. And so point number one, we need to be wise. But then point number two, that leads us that we need to be filled by the Spirit. Verse 18, it's, Paul's going to write, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. In verse 18, Paul is giving us, what he's doing is he's giving us an example to show what it looks like to not make the best use of our time and to live a foolish life. If you look back at the previous verse, he tells us to make the most of our time. And in verse 17, he tells us not to be foolish, right? That's what Paul is saying. And so in verse 18, what he's doing is he's giving you example. He's using the example of drunkenness as an example of something that wastes time, something that is foolish. Now, before, and so essentially what he's saying is, with your life, don't waste your life on unfruitful activities like getting drunk. Rather, he's saying, be filled with the Spirit. Now, before we go any further, I want to address something that I know is a little bit of a difficult subject. But I want to address the idea of drinking in the Christian life. And I don't want to take too long on this because really that's not Paul's reason for writing this part of the letter. That's not what he's getting at in this. It's just an example that he uses, but I do want to address it for just a minute because it's something that's very prevalent in our culture today. And so let's make something very clear right out of the gate. Drinking alcohol is not a sin, okay? It does not tell us in scriptures that drinking alcohol is a sin. At the same time, to go a little further, drunkenness is absolutely a sin. And in fact, if you didn't know this, drunkenness is repeatedly condemned in the scriptures. Did you know that in, in, in the scriptures, it is condemned over 70 different times, 
drunkenness as a sin is addressed in the Bible. It's a pretty heavy hitter, if you will. And so this is just one of them. But Paul makes it clear in this verse that Christians are not to get drunk. And the reason is, at the end of the verse, what does he say? Do not get drunk with wine. Why? What does it lead to? Reckless living, right? Drunkenness leads to reckless living. Here's what Paul's getting at. Drunkenness is a mark of what he already wrote about earlier. It's a mark of wasting your time. It's a mark of foolishness, right? It's a mark of worldliness. It's a mark of darkness. And what alcohol does, here's what it does. It destroys you and I's ability. When we drink too much and we get to that state of mind, it destroys our ability to realize that we've lost control of ourselves. That's what it does. And so I don't know who you are this morning, but there's somebody in here that may need to hear this. If you're struggling with this type of sin, the sin of drunkenness, I want to tell you this morning, you need to stop drinking right now. You need to stop drinking alcohol, and you need to stop because it's going to destroy your life if it hasn't already. And I want you, I want to draw your attention to something that Jesus says. Jesus says, look at what Jesus says, when, when we are controlled by something in life, I want you to see what Jesus says we should do with that whatever that thing is in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 30, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. It says, and if your right hand causes you to stumble or to sin, what does he say? He says, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I'm not telling you this afternoon to go out back and cut off your arm and throw it away because it's causing you to pick up a drink, right? That's not what we're saying in this text. But here's what I am saying. If you're struggling right now with this specific type of sin, you don't need to just cut back. You need to cut it off altogether. You don't need to be hanging out at the bars on Friday and Saturday night. You don't need to be going out to the local club on the weekend where you know you're going to be put in situations where you can stumble and where you can fall Rather, what you need to do is flee that temptation and flee that sin all together with your life. And don't do it because I say so, right? Don't do it just because of me. Do it for your family, right? Do it for your marriage. Do it for your kids. But more importantly than that, do it for your relationship with Christ. Now, all that said, let's not forget that Paul's intent in writing verse 18 was not simply to condemn uh, the idea of drunkenness, right? I mean, that's an example that he gave, but that's not really the point of why he's writing. Whether what Paul is trying to do, here's what he's trying to do. He's saying that anything, whether it's drunkenness or another sin, anything that has the power to control, to harm, or to hurt a Christian, whatever that sin may be, it needs to be addressed immediately. And so the question is, what does Paul say is the alternative to being drunk? Did you see it in verse 18? Look back at verse 18 again. What's the alternative? He says, don't, he's, he's kind of doing a, a comparison, right? He's doing a contrasting thing right here. What's the opposite of being drunk with wine? What does he say? Be filled with the Spirit. That's exactly what he's saying. And now, when I was studying this week, I was looking at Warren Wiersbe's commentary, and Warren does a great job of really talking about how this was written in the original language. Those words right there, be filled with the Spirit, Warren wrote four truths, if you will, about how this was written in the original language that I think helps you and I, and it would help me this week, it's going to help you and I understand what Paul is getting at by saying, be filled with the Spirit. Here they are, you can write them down. First one, it's a command, right? And so this idea that we are to be filled by the Spirit is what, it, what Paul's saying is it's not an option. It's not like one day you could say, I want to be filled with the Spirit one day, 
Another day you say, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit. Like, it's a command, and it's a command from God. And listen, when God gives us a command, let's be honest, he expects us to obey it, right? I mean, he expects us to obey this command. So first of all, it's a command. Second thing, it's a plural verb. It's a plural verb. You guys didn't know you were going to get an English lesson from a math major today, did you? It's a plural verb, right? So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a plural verb? Plural verb means it was written not just to an individual. So it's not as though Paul was writing this to the leaders of the church. He wasn't just writing this to myself or to Evan, right? He was writing this to all believers. And so if you're in here today, this is written to you if you're a follower of Jesus. He's saying you need to be filled with the Spirit. You don't need to be drunk with wine. You don't need to act foolish. You don't need to waste your time, but you need to be filled by the Spirit, all of us. Third thing is it's a present term. It's a present term. Now, before we get into this, I want to look back for just a second. When you read this, one would think that that's a past tense verb, right? Filled is something that sounds like, gives the idea of something that happened in the past. But in the original language, it wasn't written like that. It was written to be in the present, which gives the idea that you need to think about reading this as keep on being filled. Like you need to continually be filled. That's what the original language is getting at. And so it's not as though we're filled by the Spirit in the past at some point, and that's it. Rather, every single day we are called as followers of Christ to be filled by the Spirit. Does that make sense? We're to be filled by the Spirit. Third thing, or fourth thing, is that it's a passive verb. Okay? A lot of verbs this morning. All right? It's a passive verb. What does that mean? And this is the crux here, and it's very important. You write this down. It means that we do not have the ability to fill ourselves. Interesting, right? We don't have the ability to fill ourselves. Instead, all you and I can do, watch this, all you and I can do is put ourselves into an environment where every single day God has the ability to fill us through his Holy Spirit. Pretty cool, right? Now, that said, what does that look like? How can you and I, this is the major question, this is the whole crux of the whole part of this, of this, this text, how can you and I every single day be filled by the Spirit? It's a million-dollar question. Turn with me to Colossians 3. Take your scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn a couple pages ahead. If you have your app, turn a p- couple pages ahead. Col- Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. I want to show you because what Paul is going to do is he's going to give us in a different letter an amazing insight on how we can put ourselves into that environment where we get filled every single day. And what's cool about these two books, Ephesians and Colossians, is Paul bo- wrote both of these letters, right? He bo- wrote both of these letters, but what's neat is they were written around the same time frame. They were both written between 60 and 62 A.D., and, and what you're going to see is because they were written so close together, there's going to be similar language. And so when you think about, when we read these verses in just a second, I want you to think about what we've already read in Ephesians 5 and compare it to Ephesians chapter 3 and see the similarities. It's pretty cool. Here's what it says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through what? This looks familiar, right? It's what we see in Ephesians 5. Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with, there's that word, gratitude. We're talking about thanksgiving in the other one. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's pretty cool, right? I don't know, maybe it was cool for me this week. I thought it was pretty cool, right? You see these similarities in Paul's writing. It's really neat. But I want to draw you back to the first part of the verse because the first part of the verse is really what explains what you and I have to do in order to know that we are filled with the Spirit. All right, look what it says. It says, let the word of Christ 
dwell richly among you. What does that mean? What does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell richly among you? Well, think about it. Let's break it down. What is the word of Christ? The Bible, right? The word of Christ is the word of God. It's the word that you're holding, many of you are holding in your hands right now. It's that alive and active word that we can read every single day. And so what Paul is saying is, let the word of Christ, let the Bible dwell richly among you. In other words, let it be with you. Let it sink into your heart. And so here it is, church. Write this down. The people of God, that's us, we can know for certain that we are being filled by the Spirit of God when? What is it? What's the magical thing? When we get into the Word of God. It's not rocket science, right? It's plain and, it's plain and simple in the text. Literally, let the Word of Christ, when it goes into our heart, when it sinks down into our souls, the result of that is we are filled by the Spirit. And so the question for all of us this morning as we think about this idea of being filled with the Spirit is, am I putting myself into an environment every single day where God can fill me with His Spirit? Right? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you in the Word every single day so you have the opportunity for God to fill you with His Spirit? Here's the big question I really want you to ask yourself this morning. Are you filling yourself with things of the world, or are you filling yourself with the Word of God? See, church, we're called to be students of the Word. We're called to get to know Christ better and better every single day, and the way we know Christ better is by diving into His Scriptures every single day. And so we should be waking up every morning, opening up the Scriptures, just saying, Lord, please fill me with Your Spirit today as I study Your Word. So the application here is simple. Ask yourself the question. Are you waking up every single day, opening up your scriptures, and allowing yourself to be filled by the Spirit? Simple application there. Now, as we begin to close this morning, Paul gives us three things that demonstrate a life that's filled with the Spirit. And so we talk about, okay, we get into the Word, and then we're filled with the Spirit. What's the result? What's going to be the outpouring? Once Christ has gotten inside of my heart, and I've been filled with the Spirit through the power of the Scriptures, what is my result? Where do I go from there? He tells us what the life actually looks like. He gives us three things, one in each verse, 19, 20, and 21. I want you to see them for yourself. So he says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. The result of that is verse 19 to 21. Speaking to one another, so we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, hymns, and spiritual songs. We sing, we make music with our hearts to the Lord. And that's your first one right there. We sing praises to the Lord. We'll come back to that in a second. Second one, we get to verse 20. It says, we give thanks always for everything. Does it say give thanks sometimes for some things? No, it says we give thanks always for everything. And so that's the second one. We are people who give thanks to the Lord. Verse 21, finally, we submit to one another in the fear of Christ. So really, there's three things that happen when we are filled with the Spirit. When we get into the Word, when the Word comes into our heart, the outpouring of that is that we can't help but sing praises to God, we give thanks to the Lord, and we submit ourselves to one another. Now, we're going to dive in, come back next week, we're going to dive in real heavy into the idea of submission and what it looks like to submit first to Christ, but then also submitting to other people who we are in relationships with. So come back next week. We're going to dive into the idea of submission. 
But what I want to do as we close this morning is give us all an opportunity to respond to the first two. Because the truth is, if we're followers of Jesus, if we've been filled by the Spirit, we all have the ability to sing praises to God, yes? Right? We all have the ability to give thanks to Him for all things, yes? We just have that ability inside of us. And listen, I know if you're like me, I can't sing a lick, right? I don't know if you guys have gifted singing voices, but I know for me, I don't have a voice like Kelly. One, because I'm a male, but two, because she's gifted and I'm not, right? And so I don't have a good singing voice, and you may be thinking the same thing. I don't have a good singing voice, Alan. That's why I don't sing. Now, let me tell you a quick story. This is kind of side note, but quick story. My, my, uh, I got a friend of mine. I got to be careful with my language here. I got a friend of mine. I don't want to give away who it is. And when he was younger, I, for me, I, I dropped out of choir at a young age. I just couldn't sing. My mom let me do it. And so when I, when I was younger, I had another friend, and he actually dropped out of choir, or eventually wanted to drop out of choir. And so what happened was he went to his mom over and over. He said, Mom, I've got to get out of choir. I can't sing a lick. I'm not gifted, and I just don't enjoy it. She's like, no, you need to be in the choir. You need to be in the choir. So he kept going week after week. Finally, he gets to this place, and he said, you know what? I'm just going to go into my bedroom, and I'm going to turn on a song, and I'm just going to record myself singing. And so I don't know what he was singing, Party in the USA, whatever it may be. He started singing a song, right? And so the the song's going, the recording's going. He stops the recording, goes out, finds his mom. Mom's out there. It's like, Mom, let's sit down. we got to have a real talk. i got to get out of this choir thing. And so what I did, I went to my bedroom, and I turned on the the tape recorder, and I recorded myself singing. And so I just want you to listen to it. And so they sat down on the couch. He played it. They listened. They listened. Couple minutes went by, song ends, turns it off, right? You think the mom would say, you still got to go. Well, she, she heard him sing, and she said, you're done with choir. <laughs> that was it, right? That was it. But here it is. Here's the, here's the reality. You don't have to have the best singing voice to sing praises to God, amen? Like, we don't have to have that. I'm not gifted in that way at all. Let me tell you what God wants to hear from you. Let me, hear, let me tell you. He wants you to express your love to him in an authentic, sincere in real way through what? Look back at the scriptures. Look what it said. Through song, through hymns, and through spiritual songs. And so that's what we're going to do in a minute. We're going to sing one more song. It's called Christ Be Magnified. And I don't want you to be ashamed of your singing voice. Some of you putting your heads down saying, oh man, I can't sing. I can't do this. You can do it. You're singing praises to God. He doesn't care. He just wants to hear you sing his praises. So in a minute, we're going to do that. But before we sing, I want to lead us in a time of prayer where we can express our gratitude and our thanksgiving to the Lord. Because I know we go through difficult seasons of life. We just walked through a whole sermon series on peace in the storms of life. Then we we all go through tough things from time to time. But the reality is all of us in this room, we have experienced blessings from our Father. We have. And we can thank him for those blessings and we can thank him for who he is and what he has done for all of us on that cross. And so just a minute, I want to give you opportunity to do that. And friends, if you think about this, how can we not be thankful people when we look at the cross and see the sacrifice that Jesus did for all of us? And so that's why I want to close service this morning. I just want us to go to the Lord in prayer. So let's all bow our heads and let's just enter a time right now of thanksgiving, enter a time right now of singing praises to our Heavenly Father. And so let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for people like Paul who wrote so boldly in the scriptures to help us examine our lives. And Father, my prayer this morning is that as I've been doing all week, I would just continue to examine my heart. I would continue to examine my life. Lord, I still have 
short every single day. And so my prayer right now is that I would look at my life on a regular, ongoing basis, recognizing how wicked this world is around me, and that I would just look at my life, see the flaws, and continue to ask for your forgiveness. Continue to seek after you. Father, I ask you this week for my life personally to shine a spotlight so that I can see the places where I fall short. Father, may this congregation in this room right now, Father, would you fill us with your spirit? Would we put ourselves in a position where you can do that? And so maybe some people in here right now, you'd say, you know what? I haven't even opened up my Bible this week. I haven't opened up my Bible this month, except when I'm in church. And Father, we can change that today. And so I ask that we just prioritize our lives in a way that we see you as the most valuable relationship that we have. And that we will commit ourselves even right in this moment, saying, I'm going to open up the scriptures every day and allow yourself to work in my life. Now, Father, I pray for those who are in here. Father, may we lift up as a congregation right now offerings of thanksgiving. And so church, I'm going to give you just a moment to sit in silence. And all I want you to do is just tell the Lord how thankful you are to him. How you're thankful for the kids you have, the spouse you have, the job you have, the relationships, the friends you have, the life group that you're part of. for who he is and what he's done for all of us. Father, we do offer you thanksgiving this morning. Lord, we are grateful for who you are. Lord, I'm grateful that you can look at me even when I continue to fall short. Yet over and over and over again, you forgive me. Father, I thank you for the blessings that you've poured out in my life over the years. Thankful for the people in this room right now. that we have a church family that loves you. A church family that loves one another. Father, we're just so thankful for that right now. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to a song of praise, Lord, may we lift up our voices. May we sing loud. May we have passion. May it be the overflow of our heart as we sing this next song. Because, Lord, the reality is it's not us that should be magnified, Lord. It is you that should be magnified. And so may we proclaim that today as we close now with the song, Christ, would you be magnified. It's in Jesus' name we pray.